0: It is nearly Tokyo time and we couldn't be more excited. We've spoken a heap about the Matildas and what we expect from them but we don't know as much about our opponents. So ahead of the games we've enlisted the help of some experts from each of our Group G opponents so that we can get an idea of what we're actually coming up against at these games. So Today we're talking about New Zealand and it's me, Marissa Lordanick, Angela Christian Wilkes, Anna Harrington, Sam Lewis, and former football fern who knows all about Olympics and World Cups, Kirsty Yellup. So Kirsty, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to be here.
0: We're so stoked to have you. So first up, kind of as a start, we asked this to a couple of our other experts as well. What has been happening in kind of New Zealand football this last 18 months? We know the Matildas couldn't play for well over a year. What's it been like for the football firms?
1: Yeah, it's been fairly similar. If anything, it's probably been a bit worse for the girls. Um, mm. They haven't had any games in the lead up to the Olympics. Uh, haven't been able to. with majority of the players based in different leagues in Europe and America, et cetera. So and then the ones that are based here in New Zealand. So they, they haven't been able to meet up for a game anywhere. Um, so I think the only they had a practice game against Great Britain uh, when they got there, got to Tokyo. Um, so, yeah, that's the only practice game they've had. Otherwise, they they haven't played a proper game. And, yeah, I, I'm not sure how long it's actually been since their previous game. It's been that long, since before COVID anyway.
2: Kirstie, it's not that long since you finished up. So you... Obviously, would have good relationships, a lot of friends in this team still. What's the, um, the impression or the overall vibe you've got? Because we know that there's obviously been the emotional side of things too with um, Rebecca Stott and Rosie White both not being able to be there. I mean, what sort of impact does it seem to have had just from you, I guess, on the outside looking? Because it seems like they've tried to use it as, you know, something to take them forward, two extra players sort of sort of vibe even.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, those two players are, are a big loss for the girls, like for, for the Ferns. So um, especially Soddy at the back, that's, you know, she's a rock back there and she's she's been playing so great. So she'll really be missed out on the pitch and off the field as well. And and same as Rosie, you know, they're, they're both good people and um, they're senior players now on the team. So they're, they're big shoes to fill. Um, obviously that means, you know, a chance for some of the younger players to come through. Uh, yeah, and I think that'll be, you know, using them as like, you know, the extra players with them um, to give them that little bit of boost of inspiration and just knowing that they're unable to be there due to health reasons and things. Don't take it for granted, you know, make the most of the opportunities and just get out there and do your best. So yeah, I think the girls will be trying even harder than they um, probably would have before, if that's possible, um, just to try and get know get some results while they're there especially for for the team and and for those two that are missing out
3: and speaking of younger players kirsty new zealand sensationally finished third at the 2018 under 17s women's world cup they beat japan they beat canada it was the furthest that new zealand had gone in a tournament like that and there are a couple of young players who are included in this olympic squad so can you tell us a little bit about these younger sort of players coming through? Are there any in particular that you think we should keep an eye on? And how are you feeling about the next generation of players coming through New Zealand football?
4: Yeah, I mean, it was so exciting um, for the under-17s to do so well. Uh, the whole country was really behind them. And it was just a massive sporting moment in New Zealand for, for football and, and just women as well. So and at that younger age grade, it makes it so much more exciting, you know, for the future of football. Uh, so I think there's some good talented players coming through. I do think it's a big step up from 17s to, to national team. So I, I still think going through, you know, the 20s and then um, and on to the seniors from there, I think is, a, is the good stepping stone for them. Uh, and obviously there's the ones that are already knocking on the door and in the team. So I think uh, probably Elite for me is one to look out for. She's, she's the goalkeeper. Yeah, if you, you know what you're talking about. Yeah, so she's probably my pick at the moment to, to watch out for and, uh, you know, she might get on the pitch while she's at uh, Tokyo. So that would be exciting for her if she gets on there and for the future of um, the football fans.
5: I'm really interested to know where you see this football fans um, team to be at in this sort of generational cycle as well. We've obviously got, as we've mentioned, a lot of experience in this team as well as those younger players coming in. But I suppose, yeah, um. Where do you see where they're at? And also in relation to the World Cup as well, what are the sort of goals and dreams there? there, Is this the team we're going to see at the World Cup or is it likely to look a little bit different, do you think?
4: Uh, Yeah, I I think most of those senior players will will stick around for the World Cup, obviously. I mean, It's a World Cup on home soil and yeah, yeah, a couple of them are getting older, but it's worth it if you can get to play the World Cup on your, in, your, in your home country and even just in Australia as well, like with your neighbours. So uh, I'm pretty sure most of the senior players will be sticking around um, if they can, of course. And, yeah, I think it'll be that, that same kind of blend of seniors and youth coming through. But we might see a bit more of the youth because, you know, it's another two years away. So I'm sure there'll be a few more um, new faces in the team come then
2: see here in Australia, a lot of the talk around the World Cup is like the legacy it's going to leave, you know, getting more people playing football, developing, getting more youth, like just so many things about how it's going to leave a lasting legacy for football here. What's been the reception or the feeling in New Zealand around the same thing? Like you, especially as a former international, what do you hope to see this World Cup on home soil bring to, to women's football and football in, uh, in New Zealand?
4: Uh, Yeah, I hope the same thing that that legacy to be left behind. I mean, I don't think, I mean, I don't think New Zealand has ever seen like a sporting event like this. You know, not for a long time. I mean, they've hosted the under seventeen World Cup and things like that, but a World Cup's huge, and I don't think you know New Zealand and and potentially even Australia really know what's going to hit them when like the, the the football World Cup, the women's World Cup is on our like on our backyard. I mean it's huge. It's such a big event. It's the biggest sporting event in the world for females. So yeah. And it rugby, you know, rugby is massive here in New Zealand and it'll just, I don't think, I don't think they really know what's going to hit them when this world cup comes because it's going to be massive. And yeah, rugby is the be all and end all, at, you know, in New Zealand. But uh, when you compare the stats and things, it's, there's no comparison to, to the French, the world cup that was in France. Like the Women's World Cup in France, the uh, the numbers that watch, the viewers, the the people that were at the games just so far outweighs what the Rugby Cup was, Rugby World Cup was in New Zealand. So, I just think it's going to be huge, and they're not quite going to know what hit, what's hit them when it comes here. And then just for the legacy it'll leave behind with you know the younger players, boys and girls both wanting to play football. It's it's the number one sport over here for kids, and like as it is in it is in Australia, I'm pretty sure. But um, yeah, so I think just the numbers and the growth of the game at that youth level will be will be awesome and grassroots, of course.
3: So with the Women's World Cup sort of on the horizon, how are the football fans thinking about this Olympics? I think when it comes to Australia, the Women's World Cup is the ultimate goal. That's what we're building towards. And so this Olympics, you know, we're not perhaps too fussed if we don't do particularly well because it's a building project. We've got another two years towards the thing that really matters for us. Is it the same thing from
4: New Zealand's perspective perspective as well? Um, I, I'm not 100% sure, but I think it's more, like when we've gone to the Olympics, um, it's, it's a much smaller tournament. You know, there's only 12 teams and you actually have, that opportunity to go a bit further because you know the um two best third place teams also go through so I think the girls look at it as you know an opportunity to do well in a tournament so they'll be probably trying to yeah approach it and get as much out of it as they can so they just need one result and generally that's enough to go through you know um and then anything can happen because it's knockout stages World Cup's a little bit different, obviously, because only top two teams go through from each group. And, you know, I think when you approach them separately like that, it's, you know, there's more opportunity at the Olympics. So they will be looking to to probably do as well as they can. I mean, I think it's going to be testing circumstances for everyone, the whole build-up, just everything that's, you know, going on around the Olympics. It's it's going to be a tough one for all all the teams and all the athletes. But, yeah, moving to the World Cup, I think the girls will be looking to, to build there but you know the team's a little bit settled at the moment under tom um and once he leaves maybe it'll be a new story you know because there'll be a new coach coming in after the olympics so then it might be a bit more of a building phase and maybe some new you know new changes and fresh faces perhaps but yeah, we won't know until until we see who the new coach is going to be
5: you noted on some really interesting differences between you know the world cup and the olympics as someone who has experienced both as a player is there anything i guess on the ground that stands out as quite different and also really interested to hear what the experience of being an olympic athlete is during the tournament you know like the olympic village
4: yeah they are really different events like you know the, the the world cup is it's just all football and which is awesome because that's the pinnacle of our sport uh it's it's amazing and, and FIFA runs it and everything's done amazingly and it's just really cool but then then the Olympics is like just a whole different environment because you're a part of the wider Olympic team you know, like whether it be Aussie or New Zealand um you're a part of something so much bigger than just just football or, or just your team you're you know you've got so many other teammates that do other sports and um it's all lies are on it at that point in time obviously when you're playing football it's it's all the football people that are interested but then when you're at the olympics there's people that are not normally interested in football that it you know everyone's watching because it's the sporting event um so yeah it, it is really different and then the even the like this in terms of security and things like that like there's a lot of security at a world cup but then when you get to the olympics it's just it's even more so I guess you can't have that same freedom to do things I mean they're not going to have freedom now the athletes because of our current situation but normally you know you have have a lot of um, freedom at a world cup you know you have your days off and you can maybe go out and do something or you can see family and friends when you're at the olympics it's very hard to do anything like that you know you're, you're at the olympics and especially if you're staying in the village then you're you're in the village you know like as a um, football we're normally always in hotels so you're normally separate from the village but this this games the I think there's quite a few people in the village so normally they don't go the teams don't go to the village until um, the knockout stages or closer to the like semi-final and finals so whereas this year I'm pretty sure the girls the the Aussies and the Kiwis are there already and they're there for their first two games so They'll be staying in the village for a bit longer, and and I always thought because we only ever spent like a couple of days in the village before the tournament would start to get like a feel for things and get welcomed and meet all the other um, athletes that were part of the Kiwi team. So we never spent that much time there, and and the few days that we always spent there were exhausting because you know little things that you don't think about. You have to walk to the dining hall, you know. You can't just get an elevator. And, down to level one, and you're, you're at your, like, meal room, you know, you have to walk to your dining hall, you have to walk to do your laundry, it's, like, it's just so different, and it just makes it that more, a little bit more tiring, because you're on your feet so much more than you normally would be, so it is a really different experience, and and odd, like, you would never think of those things, but it, it is really tiring, and then there's so many um, cool things to see in the village, and, like, Uh, They have lots of free things and all the sponsors put on, you know, big little promo things. So you can go check them out and get little freebies and then there's the gift shop and things like that. So there's just always so many things to do and, and see while you're in there. So it keeps you very busy.
3: (laughs) And I can imagine as well, because you like you're describing the Olympics already as this really unique kind of thing that's happening to all these athletes, but particularly this time, like it must just be so strange for so many of particularly for athletes who've been to an olympic games before to now be in this environment have you received any correspondence from people from like from meeks for example or from some of your football fans, colleagues sort of from the village inside the bubbles what has it been
4: like for them i think it's like it's all very similar the only difference is just all the protocols around health and safety of course so it's, you know, they have to do their COVID tests every morning. They have to, you know, you have to wash your hands, you have to wear gloves when you go to the dining hall. And and you're you're only like allowed out for certain things. You're not supposed to be, you know, going around or mixing and mingling with anyone. Whereas like, you know, normally the dining hall's this massive place and just all the food you can imagine and all the athletes you can imagine and and people socializing and things. So now it's very different. They have like little cubicles and things. So I guess it's just mainly the only differences around that, health and safety, and the security, of course, around making sure people are doing the right protocols to keep everything, everything safe.
2: I'll uh, throw forward to the game, Kirsty, because it's a game where you've really got almost more of a stake in than anyone. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. you have your football ferns connection, your New Zealand background, a former player, and then obviously your wife, Mix is playing for the Matildas how is this game for you like who do you go for how do you approach it like what sort of experience is it for you the, the Matildas playing the football fans in a major tournament
4: um yeah I get this question a lot <laughs> I think it's a really tough one to answer you know um I get more nervous now watching than I would have when I was playing definitely um so much easier when you're playing you know because you don't have to think about these other things and you can just focus on it and you, you know you have a little bit of control over what's going on so you can you can do that but yeah i it's a tough one because that's my old teammates it's my country and I'm, I'm very very proud kiwi so you know of course i want the girls to do well and, I, and i'm cheering for them and want the best for them um but at the same time you know mix is my wife and and I love her so much, so I I want nothing but her to achieve her dreams, you know. And and they want a gold, and or they want a medal, or you know whatever it may be, they want to do the best they can. So, yeah, I want I want the Matildas to do really well as well. Um. So yeah, I guess in the situation, that it's not really like I could have a loss because either way, whatever happens happens, and one of my teams is gonna win. Um. But yeah, I think I will a bit more of it if it was uh, the Ferns winning over the Matildas than the other way around. <laughs> I guess uh, you can take a more,
2: I suppose, neutral approach. What, what do you think is going to happen in this game? What are your expectations? We know Australia have historically a very strong record against the Ferns. You mentioned before the Ferns have had even a far more limited preparation than the Matildas. What do you think the expectations are here for this game,
4: especially from the New Zealand perspective? Um, yeah, from uh, New Zealand's perspective, they'll, they'll be targeting this game for sure, knowing that, well, next up is Sweden and, and America. So those are two really tough teams. Uh, not And Matildas are also very tough, but they're obviously also going through a little bit of a rebuilding phase and, you know, with a new coach and things. So I think they will see that as an opportunity to... Um, to give it everything they've got and try and get a result from the game so I'm pretty sure the girls will be targeting that one to try and get something from it um, whether it be a point or three points but then on the other hand like you said um, Australia have beaten us for the last however long (laughs) as much as it hurts me to say Um, so yeah they do have a very strong record against New Zealand and and I know they will be going for that game too because they will need the result as well and they also have to play America and sweden and that's two very tough games as well for them um so i'm pretty sure it'll be an exciting game and yeah it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens because obviously neither of them have played that much
2: just on it do you guys get up for these games more like is it a right like a rivalry is
4: there something special about playing australia uh, yeah i mean we used to i don't think the girls have played australia a lot recently but we did used to play them a lot more. So it was a very big rivalry back then. And it was like, you know, you want to beat the Aussies and, and I'm pretty sure they never wanted to lose to us. So they were always up for the game as well. So it was always a good battle no matter what the result ended up being, you know. Um, but yeah, it's been a little while since the girls have played them. So I still think that rivalry's there. I think it'll just uh, be reignited again after a little bit of a, a break. <laughs>
5: Bit of a silly one, and I'm sure it's a question you've gotten so much. But you mentioned before we recorded this pod that Baby Harley is up and running around. Looks like she's an athlete in the making.
1: Is there any? Has there
5: been any discussion about whether she's going to be a Fern or Matilda if it does come to that, or are we just not hands off that for the time being?
4: Um, yeah, I don't know. We, we, I guess we do get the question a like, lot. You were correct. Um, and yeah, we kind of both just kind of laugh at it. And yeah, if she plays soccer and she is is good enough to make one of the national teams and we're all for it. And to us, it doesn't really matter. We kind of just wanted to go for the best opportunity. So whichever team's best at the time, and if that's the level she's at, then she can go for it. You know, we we don't have like mixes and like she has to play for Aussie and I'm not, she has to play for New Zealand. We're just like, whoever is the better team at the time, if she's good enough, she'll play for them.
2: Kirsty, this is a very silly follow-up question, but it's one of my niche things. My niece is about Harley's age and I just wanted to get her a baby Matilda's kit and you just cannot get them. I assume it's the same for New Zealand. Yeah. Have you been chasing baby Tillies and uh, football ferns kits? And I guess how frustrating is it that you can't get these cute little baby ones?
4: It's so annoying. Yes, I'm definitely frustrated about it. And, you know, I posted a photo of her for Meeks, you know, few weeks back for the game um when she first got back with the team when they had that first game against uh, denmark and we put her in a mixer shirt and it was uh, yeah, obviously it's not going to fit her because it's it's an adult size shirt uh but i mean she looks super cute in it but i was like tried to have a cheeky little dig like can we get one of these in a baby size <laughs> but yeah it's not it's not happening at the moment but you can definitely get them for other national teams like america the netherlands i've seen um little ones and, and their kits so kind of annoying i think uh, if that's the case i'm pretty sure aussie will get one before uh, football ferns will <laughs> so i think we will be able to get a little Tilly's on eventually but hopefully sooner you know hopefully soon enough for the in for time for the world cup and i'll be chasing to get a football ferns one as well
2: so we can count on you to be part of our campaign
4: then Stop, for sure yeah that's ridiculous <laughs> they should definitely have them <laughs> what the hell if other countries have them, everyone should have them. And so
3: I guess to, just to sort of wrap up, Kirsty, what's next for you? You know, what are you sort of, are you still involved in football outside of being married to a current Matilda?
4: Uh, like, how are you wanting to stay involved, if at all, with the game? Um, yeah, I'm actually, uh, so I studied sports science. I have a master's in sports science. Um, and yeah, and I've been, I've been, been Full time mom- moment, but I'm, I'm also starting to do some part time work actually with FIFA, doing some mentoring with sports science on uh, the o- in o- Oceania. So we're working with some of the national teams, the women's national teams, um, and the MAS in Oceania to try and help develop the women's game. It's uh, it's kind of a new project, and it's um, yeah, everything's pretty new, so it's not uh, set in stone exactly what our roles are and how we're going to go about them. It's kind of we've got a bit of a, a free license to to try and make an impact and um, help boost the performance level you know obviously with the world cup coming up there's going to be another team from oceania involved so we really need to try and help those um those other countries you know lift their level of performance and and they don't have um the same access that you know like new zealand australia and all the big countries have to you know sports scientists most of them only have just a, a coach and a manager so I think it'll make a massive difference to those countries and it's it's something I'm really excited about. But yeah, it's just a little part-time thing on the side and that's kind of where I'm at for now. And yeah, we'll see where that takes us. But eventually I'd like to um, keep doing something in the sports science area.
5: I just wanted to know like the 2023 announcement that we got the World Cup, like what was that experience for you? What were you doing? Do you remember that moment? Um, I guess
4: just it's good to have you talk to that because we've got you here.
0: Yeah,
4: Um... I actually don't remember what I was doing it was last year in what May or June yeah end of June yeah end of June yeah so I would have been here in New Zealand and and pregnant <laughs> um, so pretty sure I wouldn't have been doing a hell of a lot uh, <laughs> but I do remember um being super excited about it and and thinking oh should I should I play again <laughs> and then I was like no nah, I'm happy not playing and um and then just being super excited for meeks like knowing that you know she'll be uh you know coming towards the end of her career possibly like she'll be one of the oldest senior players I mean she still is at the moment but she's not that old um like not as old as me but she's not um the, the you know that the age bracket where you should be if you uh you know want to win a world cup so you know, like the likes of America, you know, it's like that early 30s where the majority of your players are. So, you know, she'll be right in that. And um, yeah, I think it's just a really exciting time, especially for that golden generation of the Aussie girls, you know, they're all going to be at a really good age come 2023. So it's really exciting for them. And then yeah, of course, for my um, my football fans, I think they're all just so stoked to get to play here on our, in our, in our backyard. You know, we don't get a lot of games in New Zealand. We never have we've always had to travel a lot so just to be able to play in front of your you know your family and friends and your home countries is is a massive opportunity and yeah one that everyone will be super excited about
2: you mentioned very jokingly about playing again are you planning on playing again at any level Kirsty? do you see yourself getting back into it or once the boots like got hung up are they done like not coming back out of
4: storage (laughs) um Uh, it's a good question I I mean every now and then I think oh it'd be pretty cool to play again you know but then I'm like nah I'm super competitive and I there's no way I could play at a social level (laughs) um, without taking it too seriously so I think it's best to um, just not play (laughs) uh, but yeah like summer soccer or something like that I'd be keen to play that or or any other sports I, I quite like playing touch as well I wouldn't mind doing that but now I'm quite happy just you know doing my own you know running and exercise and working out so yeah it's it's nice to have hung up the football boots and to be able to put them down and you know leave them down from a player's perspective so I mean when I did retire that was kind of the aim you know I I stepped away from the national team first and then kept playing for another season um, professionally in Norway and so so that was like my last you know little hurrah and I was pretty pretty happy to finish when I did
0: Well, Kirsty, we can't thank you enough for jumping on and chatting to us. We need to find both you and Harley some little half-half Kiwi Aussie kits because I think you'll get a lot of use out of them for the Olympics and for 2023. But thanks again for joining us. We really, really appreciate it.
4: Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me, guys. And thank you
0: guys for tuning into this chat. Remember, we're on ESPN.com.au and the ESPN app. You can find us on Spotify, Google and Apple. You can leave a review and you can subscribe if you like what we're doing. If you want to chat to us, we're at The Far Post Pod on all social medias. But until next time, go chillies and us.